0: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. The Get, up, Bob. Get, up. Get out of here. Get up. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality now here's adam scott heath and chris
1: welcome back it is fantasy baseball today early 2020 ranks preview shows continue today it is shortstops i'm chris welsh that is scott white and we are about to dig into the final bit of the middle infield or the infield before we get to the big dog scott we get to outfield but today shortstops i would say are plentiful on the top half on the second half and you know deeper than probably deeper ish than
2: previous years do you think that's fair especially with the big names uh, that are dropping I, you know i don't even everything's deeper than previous years if we're getting you know if we're, if we're gonna go there okay. but i i feel like the last few years i've talked about hey shortstop isn't that thin position it used to be and that's been happening for so long now that i feel like Nobody even remembers when it wasn't. It's so it's almost tropey where, at
1: this point where it's just it's like, yeah, yeah, we get it. All the positions are deep, especially shortstop. So people just yeah. don't even listen.
2: Well, I mean, you know, you could go back to a time when it was Hanley, Ramirez, Troy Tulowitzki and nothing else, right? The good old and days, That's, you that's you so long ago. Yeah. Tulewitzki's retired. They're both uh, probably not going to play a major league game again. So that's, yeah. But oh, nobody that remembers it anymore. Doesn't that make you nobody? sad? Makes me sad a little bit. No more Hanley? No more Tulo? Yeah. I mean it makes me sad when players you once thought of as the best at what they do don't end up finishing with the kind of career that would put them in line for the Hall of Fame. That's that's always a little sad to me. And I wonder if this a Hall of Famer. I
1: was about to say like who's our modern day Tulo? Like maybe it's the guy that just happened to send that walk-off in the 11th inning the other day. Uh, Carlos Correa. Carlos though Tulo uh. like had the years Where And then they just all fell apart. Like, Carlos, all we do is dream on him. But I feel like he's the closest we get to the equivalent of a modern-day Tulo at this point.
2: Well, there is no modern-day Tulo because there's nobody— there's so much high-end potential at this position that there isn't that guy you're reaching for like you did to Lewitsky back in the day. I mean, this is probably the second-deepest position after third base, I would say.
1: Yeah, and that's a good point, too, that it's just like so many of these guys have these skyrocketed talents uh, that low to the next guy was so crazy different that I would argue when we get to it here, the guy you have at 17 could have the potential of the guy you have at number one. So, I mean, I, I, I'm i being a little bit dramatic about it, but, you know, you go down the list here, There there's some huge, huge talent of players, and there's going to be, you know, some... um. Some boosted values, some guys that are going to be uh, better benefit, better cost than they've been in the past. And the top I, end is relatively rich. I left a 30
2: homer guy out of my top 20. So that's. Yeah. What? Who? Yeah. Can we just, Spoiler can we, alert. Can we no say or should Paul we wait? De, no, Paul DeYoung in my top 20. Other notables, I'll, I'll just yeah, list let's off a few notables left out of my top 20 to give you an idea of what we're working with here. So, no, Paul DeYoung, no Gene Segura, who's always been a staple there. No Dansby Swanson, who at time this year looked like he was having a big breakout season. Nobody to really project on like a Carter Kaboom. There was no room for that. Uh, those are probably the most notable ones.
1: So that leaves a decent list of players that probably some will surprise you. There's definitely some into the 10s that are going to push, and there's a lot to get to. So let's get right into this bad boy. We're going to be going through the top 20 shortstops. These are Scott White's ranks that you can find over on CBS right now. You can go and check out the article. You can get the full blurbs if that's something you'd like to do. And you can have it as a companion piece to these podcasts that we're doing for all of them as well. We've been going through the motions here. We've got Outfield coming up. We've almost gotten through all of them. So I highly suggest go give it some clicks. Add it to the rotation here as we go through all of these. And you know I I want to obviously give each player their due here but what I think is interesting is the top 3 I'm not sure I disagree I probably would have this about the same but the top 3 you have it's a it's a tier to me that is so dang close that I think it's okay if we talk about them in kind of a collective. So why don't you give the top three, and then you can maybe start top to bottom.
2: So my number one's Francisco Lindor. My number two is Alex Bregman, who we talked about a little at third base, of course. And my number three is Trevor Story. And I... I yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that it was, it was hard parsing. It was difficult to parse exactly what made one better than the other. Uh, I mean,
1: statistically, Story... I mean, I think it's hard to not even if you just looked at stats and not have story at the top also hitting in Colorado. But, you know, Lindor is not only does he produce, but he's still kind of the guy that we dream on from the top with 32 homers, 22 stolen bases. I. It, is there a gap between any of these guys, or is it partial preference? I mean, how do you how do you pair these guys apart?
2: I think there's little gap between the three in a traditional five by five league. I think if you start factoring in strikeouts, like in a points league or any other format where you might factor those in, uh, you know, Lindor has a huge advantage over Story there. And Bregman, you know, you factor in his walks, he had more walks than strikeouts. And I I think there's a case for him to go number one at the position instead of Lindor. You don't really care about the steals as much in in a points format. Uh, But presuming traditional five by five, you want the steals. Lindor and Story both are proven twice over that they're base stealers, right? They can contribute in that category. Story maintained the lower strikeout rate from 2018, so nobody's really doubting the legitimacy there. I think if he didn't play at Colorado and get the Babbit boost at home, you might have some questions about his batting average because he still strikes out a lot. So I would consider Lindor safer in that regard, but, you know, considering he does play in Colorado Story, uh, he's pretty safe too. Yeah, I, I keep looking at their stats too because, you know, if
1: you're looking at the complete package of 5 by 5 if Bregman, I mean... He just added, I don't know, Scott, like seven stolen bases to this arsenal, and you got up to twelve. And you go and look at what he did from homers, runs, RBIs. I mean, he would be the complete five-tool package, but he's not quite there. So then you go and look at guys like you know Lindor and Story, who uh, typically I think both of them are a little bit lower, you know, under the ninety mark on RBIs. Runs are up there, homers are there, but the stolen bases is such a it's such a difference maker. You I know you can't. You know stolen bases don't matter in in a points format, but if you're looking at any of the others, you just can't ignore the stolen bases on those two. And and it's just interesting that you have Bregman sandwiched between two guys that are significantly better base dealers with counting
2: stats, you know, relatively close across the board. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of biased against strikeouts when you have a strike a strikeout guy versus non strikeout guys, and Bregman and Lindor. Among players you expect to hit 30 home runs, they have some of the lowest strikeout rates in baseball, so that makes them feel safer. I kind of get the feeling we haven't seen yet the very best Lindor can be. 100% agree with and that. And that's part of it, too. Uh, the The Indians lineup held him back this year, and maybe that'll happen again next year, but you know, 74 RBI is a low total for a guy who hits like he does and did. So I would expect better in that regard before you even get into a possible rising rise in batting average and maybe even more steals next year who knows
1: yeah and and speaking on what you were talking about with k rate uh, lindor about 15 percent Bregman was 12 percent but you know a 17 percent walk rate so that was significantly better than his k rate and then you go to trevor story who literally doubles more than doubles Bregman's k rate around 26 percent so that was kind of what you were referring to as far as like a safety net that the other two guys, they don't strike out a bunch. There's an OBP factor with Bregman. Trevor Story has a bunch of those counting stats, but we've seen some streak before, but it's like, do you give Trevor Story with those strikeouts, the extra added bonus because he's got huge other counting stats and he's in Colorado. You know, I feel like I hear less over the last two years than ever before in fantasy about the quote Colorado factor. And it doesn't really be, it doesn't seem to be playing any type of a toll in three players that are really, really close. Like, and that's something that would sometimes, Scott. Like, Colorado mm-hmm. might be the deciding factor between some really close guys, but that isn't the case here, even though he's on the higher end of stolen bases, Trevor Story is.
2: I, I think it's already factored in. Trevor Story isn't Trevor Story without Colorado. So it's not, you know, it's not like a case where, yeah, Daniel Murphy going to Colorado last year, Ian Desmond going to, I, I'm laughing because neither of those obviously ended up panning out in the way people thought. Um, but they were, you know, it's, we we don't know how to assess story apart from Colorado because we've only seen him there and that's just baked in. Um, but, you know, in terms of counting stats, Lindor led the majors in runs two years ago. So it's not like he can't be a contributor in that. Um Cleveland lineup's already better now than it was at the beginning of 2019. So we'll see how it looks next season. But I expect better in terms of counting, you know, in terms of runs and RBI for Lindor next
1: year. And just continuing a little bit in what we've done in all these episodes, just for consistency as well, we were looking over at the hashtag two early mocks, which was a collection of industry mock drafts that were done online. Our buddy Justin Mason did them. And uh, Smata made a board that accumulated all of the different drafts together. I believe there were six different industry drafts and how shortstops paired out. Francisco Lindor was at the top. He had a high pick of six overall, a low of of nine. So it was a 7.2 ADP. Trevor Story, though, was number two. His ADP was 10.8, and Bregman right behind him with 11.3 ADP, who was the third. Ironically, though, Bregman had a high of seven overall, and Trevor Story only had an eight for overall. So there really does seem to be a really close collective between the three, Scott.
2: Yep. Yep. And, you know, the fourth one is close, too.
1: Yeah, that's no doubt. I mean, this is a guy that we always would question into the first round. I still think he pushes himself in the first round. I'm really curious at your take, and that guy is Trey Turner, who on this list came in at 12.7 as far as ADP goes, number four there. He's your number four. Do you think... The stolen base and really it's kind of almost Korea ish, where it's like, can can we get the full projection out with the power and all the crazy stolen base numbers they wanted to do in the preseason? If we got those, he's no doubt first round talent, but you were a little washy <laughs> on stolen bases, so is he first round for you?
2: Um probably not. Probably not in a twelve team context. And and you know that it's it's only even under consideration for the five by five format. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of Willing to devalue steals a little bit, I think, compared to the consensus. I, I, You can make an easier case to reach for Trey Turner because unlike most prolific base dealers, and among the prolific base dealers, he's probably the best in this regard, that he contributes in other areas. You know, the batting average is probably going to be decent. There's some power there. Uh, How do you play the but, full
1: season if you want to play the little projection game? He would have been a 20-plus homer, one, uh, 20 plus homer, 100-plus runs, 40-plus stolen bases. And if you want to just give me the argument here, 300 average, he hit 298 here. It's right around that range. The only <laughs> negative was the RBIs, which still could have reached into the 70s. You look at those numbers, a 20 40, guy. If you'd flip the runs and RBIs to like 75 runs and, you know, 100-something RBIs, I think it's just—I mean, I'm just saying for mental context here. Either way, to me, that's first-round talent, and that was what he put up, you know, essentially last year, especially if you stretch it out. What do you think projections are going to look like for him? This coming year, you remember it was ah, oh, we want to run him seventy to eighty stolen bases. You know, we were starting to get crazy into that. Do you think projections based on the hit tool progressing, the power? You know, I mean, one hundred and sixty-two games, he hit nineteen homers in two thousand eighteen. He hit nineteen in one hundred and twenty-two this year. Do you think we're going to see twenty-five, forty-five, a hundred runs and a two ninety average? Does
2: that sound about right? No, I mean, I think it's within the realm of possibility. But you're talking about a best case scenario there. I'm not. I'm reviewing the numbers again. Okay, the strikeout rate actually went up. Um, he did make harder contact, but who didn't? I don't Land think I'm- drive rate was up a little. I mean, his his xBA was actually lower than it was last year. So I'm not sure how the hit tool really has improved just because he hit for a higher average. And, uh, I mean, he's now played. He's now had three seasons where he was the projected starter coming in, and only one of those seasons has he played even 130 games. So I I think you have to factor in the likelihood he's going to miss time, and that that alone is enough to separate him from the top three at this position. And then, you know, stolen bases are just... Look, he's, he does other things, but stolen bases are obviously the main thing you're drafting him for, and... It's just such a weird stat to project because, Who would well, you, I mean, we talk, we talk about it every position, I feel like. It, it's, we do. It's just so dependent on so many variables beyond skill. Who would you rather have, Trey Turner or Jose Ramirez? I would rather have Trey Turner. Okay. But I do think Jose Ramirez has more upside, so, you know, maybe I'm maybe. more likely to have shares than Jose Ramirez, I feel like. Because the cost is maybe a little bit better? Or just yeah, you won't have to invest a first round pick in him. I'm pretty confident. You may have to invest a second round pick for him. I think and you will. That may still be too rich for me, but okay. I get it.
1: Well, I agree that from a tier perspective, he is different than the top three. But for yeah. anybody that wants to build a team, and there, there's going to be a lot of you know specific construction that's going to be done to teams. Not everybody is just going to go in best available player. There's going to be people that are going to want that edge with Trey Turner. And yep. you just can't get away from if you play the projection games, it's 45 plus stolen bases, 20 homers with a high batting average. There's a lot of safety in that, especially that his batting average is hovered in, if you want to average it over the last three years, around 280. And he's stolen around 40 bases the last three years. The only big question, like you said... It's the the health, and the health is going to take it apart, but there are people that are going to be willing to jump in and take a Trey Turner because they get such an incredible advantage with stolen bases while also having a floor of average and power,
2: and you don't get that in a whole lot of spots. Presumably. I I mean, I do feel like among uh, among the early rounders, Trey Turner is the safest base stealer, but I— you know, he could have an off-year and steal 25 bases, you know? And, and, and usually you don't see that kind of drop in production in other statistical categories. I, I just, yeah. I, I, mean, I he never can pull want to invest too much in them.
1: He could pull a Merrifield, and he technically, technically has a decline in stolen bases over the last three years, but it's just, you know, it's it's washy because of all the missed games and everything like that. Um, yeah. Number five, probably another tier break here. It's Xander Bogarts. So this kind of sets out your top five. Maybe the big dogs at shortstop, we can argue. Um, when we come back from break after we talk about Xander, if these other guys belong with Xander. But uh, talk to me about Bogarts. Where is he in this mix?
2: I mean, I think he's pretty much elite too. He, he just, he doesn't give you any steals the way Lindor, Story, and Turner do. Bregman, not so much. But, you know, he he doesn't stand out quite as much in the plate discipline as Bregman does. He probably doesn't have as much power as Bregman does. Uh, but he's probably the second best pure hitter at the position, Right. I would say he's you know greatly improved his power production two years in a row now and profiles for a good batting average so I, I don't really have anything bad I can th- say about Xander Bogarts there's been some speculation that with a, re- a, re- a regime change happening in Boston that they go a different direction maybe trade off some pieces and you reduce that supporting cast around Bogarts I suppose that could be a problem but as things stand right now, I expect him to have second round caliber numbers next year. He went twenty seven. His ADP was around twenty seven and a half. Is
1: the eighth shortstop uh, over on the two early mocks? What I would almost liken him to is like a poor man's Alex Bregman that you can get in yep. the late second to early third, and that's pretty cool. Also, maybe something I would throw out there—not the worst thing in the world if. if I don't know how you exactly could do this, but you know, having a pairing of a guy like Xander Bogarts and Trey Turner, even though I know they're the same position, if you wanted to kind of play that area, there's a there's a floor homer, batting average, stolen bases that could be put together with all of those guys.
2: But do you think you're going to own shares
1: of Xander Bogarts this year?
2: Is he is, comparative to like the top five guys? I think he is. I I mean, it's just going to depend. On where I come up in the second round, I think. And it's, it's hard for me to gauge that just now. It's, I, sure. I'm not saying it's a huge priority, but if it turns out I'm higher on him than everybody else and they're letting him fall to like the middle of round three, then yeah, it's possible. I think it is
1: very likely. Hey guys, Indochino.com promo code FBT. Made to measure suits fit better compared to generic off-the-rack suits. It's just science. I can't count the amount of times I've liked the look of a suit It says it's my size, but then I pull it off the rack. I try it on, and it is nothing close to what I thought it was going to be. I love Indochino suits. They're so much nicer than what you're going to get off the rack, and you don't have to pay to get your suit tailored because it fits you perfectly as soon as you get it. Guys love the wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from, not to mention the option to personalize the details, including your lapel, lining, pockets, buttons, and writing your own monogram. This week, our listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering FBT at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code FBT for any premium suit for just $369 and free shipping. An incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Once you go custom, you don't go back. Now, number five, Fernando Tatis Jr. Also came in at number six on the two early mocks, an ADP of 22. There was a period of time this year where it was very easy to make the argument that Fernando Tatis Jr. could be a wheel pick in the first to second round coming into this fantasy year, especially off of the pedigree of some of the rookies we've seen. Maybe it could be a little bit risky, but a total package type of player. Injury shortened the season a bit. We have a lot of questions on what San Diego is going to look like. What do you think about Tatis Jr.? Do you think the upside still exists of around a first-round oh, player? Yeah. Or do you think there was, uh, I don't know, a little bit too much fluff into the rookie season and the you know short sample size? What do we get, 84? I mean, it's not that short, but 84 games, 22 homers, 16 stolen bases, with a 317 average, but a 410
2: BABIP. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the issue. You kind of summed it all up right there. I think he has top five. Potential because he does have the potential. He he has the ability to fill up all the categories, but it's, you know, there are a lot of risk factors in there too. He's going to be a divisive player, I think, within the first two rounds. Uh, what he did as a twenty-year-old rookie is amazing, and if you just presume improvement there, from there, I mean, obviously that's plenty of reason to invest heavily in him. But you mentioned the BABIP over four hundred, the home run to fly ball rate was also outlandish. It kind of reminds me of Javier Baez in 2018 uh, and and the way he specifically in those two categories, Bavip and home run to fly ball rate, was such an outlier that he had to come down some and he did. He was kind of disappointing this year. Still had a good year, but Javier Baez took a step back and I expect Fernando Tatis to as well. And then you factor in the injuries. uh, Two fairly significant injuries that were kind of style-of-play injuries, right? They weren't just fluky things that happened. They were, this guy is giving it his all, and he hurt himself because of it. And uh, that's not good. The Steel's pace slowed considerably over the course of the season. So, I mean, is he eventually going to outgrow that? At what stage of his career will he outgrow that? If he's getting hurt all the time, will the Padres discourage him from running? There's a lot of unknowns.
1: And I mean, you know, something that is a concern for you, as you mentioned strikeouts, I mean, just under 30% strikeout rate, the Babib is not sustainable. And I went in to take a look here. If you want to look at home run to fly ball ratio, of all batters with 300 or more played appearances, Fernando Tatis Jr. had the fifth highest home run to fly ball ratio in Major League Baseball last year. Number one, and you're you're going to see a trend with the players here. There's an anomaly outside of Tatis, but we get it. But who's number one? Miguel Sano, of course, 36.6%. You'd expect to see home run to fly ball ratios big with him. Number two, Aaron Judge, 35.1% home yep. run to fly ball. Number three, Jordan Alvarez, 329 Huge, big power hitters. Who's number four? Christian Yelich, he breaks science. He doesn't make any sense. And then <laughs> yeah, he's f- always there. He's always there. And number five is Christian Yelich. Here are the guys that are behind Tatis. I just I'm going to continue For, making the point. Number five, Fernando Tatis. Yeah, Fernando Tatis you is said number. Again. Oh, did I say Yelich? I'm sorry. Fernando Tatis at number five. Here's a couple more names just under Tatis: Nelson Cruz, Mil Reyes, Pete Alonso. I mean, you see the big. You see the big power trends. Tatis Jr. can hit for power. He absolutely will. He also can take some walks. I've seen it over multiple years of watching him uh, with the Padres as he's been developing, but he can get aggressive, and it's shown in some inflated BABIP stats, the strikeouts, and the home run to fly ball. It's hard to say sustain. He's classically one of these players I look at, Scott, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, where I think you're going to look at his production from 2019. You're going to go, man, what did he, you know, 22 homers. I'm trying to pull back up his stats here as I'm going through all this. 22 homers, 16 stolen bases. I think it was over 80-something games. And people are... 84. Yeah, 84 games. And we're going to start to extrapolate. And people are going to go, well, 37, 38 homers. I'm going to get 29 stolen bases. But what if... Over a full season, he's 25 homers and 20 stolen bases, and he's a 290 mm-hmm. hitter, and he comes back down to earth. Is that going to be a disappointment for everybody? So important to finding the highs and lows of a, of a young, volatile player who's still learning the ins and outs. That's why I, like, as much as I'm going to want Fernando Tatis Jr., I'm going to have a hard time paying that mid-second round value. I would love him on the wheel. I'd love him to pair him with, like, a Trout or a Yelich, and then immediately have a pick coming back. That's where I would want to be invested.
2: Yeah. It's one of those situations where I feel like investing a second round pick in Tatis. You know, if you forego him, it's probably not going to be the reason you lose. But if you do take him there, it might be a small chance that that's the reason why you lose. Yeah, that's
1: a, that's a really interesting take on that. The next four are a really crazy eclectic group, and I just want to get your takes on these guys. And I'll just list them off here for you: Glaber Torres. You have at number seven. And guys, I don't know if you heard, Gleyber Torres is only 22. If you haven't heard on Twitter every single day that he's up to bat, number eight, Carlos Correa, Mister Game Winner in the 11th inning. If he could only play a whole season, so right there, that's eclectic. Then you throw in Bo Bichette, who Scott White has at number nine, and the completely underappreciated Marcus Simeon at 10. So these are four very different players across the board. So talk to me about the gaps between these players.
2: The gaps between them are. Pretty small, actually, because there are very big question marks for all of them. Maybe not for Torres. I'm not sure. I'm not sure Torres. I don't want to say anything I don't actually mean, but (laughs) you're drafting him for second base. Let's just put it that way. So you can almost exclude him. Second base is so much shallower than shortstop that we can almost exclude him for this discussion. This is, you know, when you combine all the rankings, this is where he comes out going at shortstop. Um, but you're probably not drafting him there, right? Yeah, probably. Um, so then Carlos Correa, Bo Bichette, and Marcus Simeon. Carlos Correa is like the golden boy, right? I mean, this was Fernando Tatis a few years back, except without the risk factors. He's gone and found himself a risk factor since then, though. His back is balky. Balky back at age 25. That is a scary development. He actually, you know... it. 2019 was supposed to be a prove-it season coming off an injury-riddled 2018. And he bounced back statistically, but he ended up missing even more time than he did in 2018. And back issues, uh, from what I hear, they never go away. So, uh, yeah, that's concerning. That's concerning. I think he'll be good when he plays. I'm not sure how much he'll play. You want to take a guessing game real quick? What do you think...
1: The shorts at the position, shortstop, these guys were taken. Give me their rank at their position Bichette, Correa, and Simeon. I just want to see if you can guess where they are. So, know that, uh, you know, I think like Javier Baez is in here, and I don't think you're counting him. So, what at shortstop position do you think Bichette, Correa, and Simeon went in the order?
2: In the TOO early mocks? Yes. Yeah, the I, number two <laughs> early mocks. I would say Correa went. Uh, sixth at the position. Okay. Bichette went 12th at the position. Simeon went like 15th at the position. Okay. you. So abso- I have, I'm higher on all three. Except, you, no, I'm higher on Bichette and Simeon, lower on Correa. You absolutely nailed Bo Bichette, 12th
1: at the position. Okay. But he was the first of those three taken. Interesting. Car- Carlos Correa, 13th at the position. Uh, 71 ADP. Bichette was 68.7. And Marcus Simeon. I don't think this is going to sustain once we get into the season because we're all not going to be able to help ourselves but talk about Marcus Simeon. But he went 17th at the position with an ADP of 122. And when you go and look, like I said, it's one of the quietest, more productive seasons from a guy that kind of you know continues to churn him out. But 33 homers. 123 runs, 92 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, and a 285 average. Babbitt doesn't look unsustainable. Cut his strikeout rate, his K rate, by 5%, upped his mm-hmm. walks. Everything looks beautiful, and he's such a massive discount. I want to own Correa, and I think I took him in the two early mocks. Bichette would be nice, but he's going to be buzzy. I don't see how I'm not going to fall into multiple Marcus Simeon uh, draft picks next year.
2: Marcus Simeon is second only to Cattell Marte, I think, in terms of unexpected breakthrough into studliness. And so, of course, that comes comes with lots of questions as to sustainability. This guy never was anything like this before. How sustainable is it? And, I mean, we won't know until we see it happens, but assessing him by the underlying numbers... You know, it's, it's not like there was some major red flag there. He, he made much, much, much more efficient contact than ever, uh, both in terms of how hard it was and particularly in the second half when he just completely ascended. He cut way down on the ground balls. He was line drives, it was fly balls, the two most efficient forms of contact in this environment. And uh, that kind of explains the numbers right there. Also, the plate discipline was improved. Not that he was a bad plate discipline guy before, but it got even better. He was sixth this past year in five by five scoring among shortstops. Sixth, he was second in points leagues, and I have him tenth. So I'm downgrading him, right? I'm I'm factoring in some risk here.
1: I mean, you are, but the industry is not caught up close to where you are. He's a seventh. No. He was a seventeenth shortstop taken. Right, and if you want to cut off a few. You know, nutty guys that, you know, like Nick Sinzel, not going to probably be, you know, maybe 15 at best, 15 to 14 at best. You're still higher, I would say, probably than the majority
2: of the industry perception on Simeon. I think that's that's a good thing. Yeah. And when we talk about the next four on this list, I think, I think it's understandable, but I think... You're going to see why you're people are wrong. Yeah, you're going to see. <laughs> I feel more comfortable with where I have Simeon.
1: And I'm about to say you're going to see why Simeon is higher when we talk about mm. the next guys that you haven't heard, and you're wondering where's that guy that everyone's taking as the fifth overall shortstop. We haven't talked about him yet, but we will. Mm-hmm. Guys, do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to your event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. How easy could it be if those ticketing sites just actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. You can search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek, they've got the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it is by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. In fact... Wait for this, Scott. We just use the app for Baby Shark that's coming to Phoenix on the 18th. Let me tell you something. I've never wished an app wasn't so helpful in finding the best prices (laughs) on something because they are coming here and you better believe my kids are having it. I'm not Gerardo Para, but I am going and it's thanks to the SeatGeek app because they are on it. So SeatGeek, they want to give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Maybe it's to Baby Shark. Maybe it's to Tool. Maybe it's to a comedy show. It's yours to choose. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first purchase. Javier Baez, Baez, and no, I won't do that. I'm sorry. Javier Baez comes in at number 11. Why do you hate Javier Baez? Wait, let's do this. Manny Machado comes in at 12. Why do you hate Manny Machado? Wait! Jonathan VR comes in at 13. Alberto Mondesi comes in at 14. And Jorge Polanco at 15. Scott White, can I ask you a question? Why yeah. do you hate these five players?
2: <laughs> I don't hate them. Come on. I'm just, I mentioned you know. I mentioned how Baez took a step back basically across the board this year. Uh, and, in, and in a... Even though the offensive environment improved around him. So that kind of had a number of players leapfrogging him. Uh, he became much less of a base dealer. He was 11 for 18 in stolen bases. Didn't even reach the 30 homer mark. You know, it's not like he's a batting average standout. Why does everybody else love Javier Baez? That's what I'm wondering.
1: I mean, I think it's because there's a big power... I it's undeniable that Javier Baez also has—he has the star quality, and there is a star quality that we chase. But you know, 138 games, he had 29 homers, 11 stolen bases. You know, you get a full seat, you get 20 more games in there. Is it realistic to, de- to believe that he could have pushed 100, 100 on the runs and RBIs, in post 30 homers, and maybe pushed to 15 stolen bases? Yeah, it is a within reason. You don't love that the strikeouts kind of went back up. But I don't really see other things that were crazy unsustainable. I mean, OBP leagues, he falls back a little bit. But I think it's because he's a constant. But the problem is, is you're not getting much of a discount on any lack of production. He came in at number seven on the two early mocks. And I mm, I don't know. I love the name yeah. power. I'm always, I've loved Javier Baez since the day he was uh, drafted by the Cubs. But even then, I just don't see how his production especially when we go look at a guy like Marcus Simeon. I don't see how I can justify taking Javier Baez in the beginning of the third round when I am taking Marcus Simeon in the ninth round.
2: I don't see it. Yeah. It's really just the one year that he was a fantasy stud, Baez. And as I mentioned, we were talking about Tatis. He was an outlier in terms of Babbitt and home run to fly ball rate that year. So they normalized while he also stopped running so much. And you know, he's just kind of a another power guy in an environment full of them. He loses second base eligibility this year, which obviously hurts. I don't know. He's he's not he's fine, but there's just too many standouts here for me to uh elevate him to that level. He was actually only 12th in 5x5 scoring this year, and I have him 11th. So look, I've upgraded him. <laughs> I like that nice little. You're like, hey, look,
1: there's a positive. There's a clear. There's your clear push against stolen bases. Like you can clearly see this. It's. I don't know if it's a bias. It's just. I mean, it is a bias. You can't deny it. It, It's a bias to the overpay of stolen bases. But at the end of the day, you are going to have to pay for them at some point unless you want to play the other game. But like Mondesi, you're crazy different on. You're not that far off in VR. But Mondesi comes in as a second round pick and you are putting him as the 14th best shortstop. Is this is this you putting your points hat on, or is this purely like I'm not paying for these stolen bases? He's, he's bad. That's
2: the problem. He's a bad hitter. And people, you know, who've been listening to this show all year, they know where I stood at, El, at Alberto Mondesi coming into this season. I was a standout on the other side. I was talking about how, look, he's this third-round stud you really need to pay up for because of... Is going to be maybe the best base stealer by far and still give you good power numbers. But, but he happened? ran as much as we hoped he would when he was on the field. You 40, know, 43 stolen bases in only 102 games. In between the twice the two shoulder dislocations, which <laughs> yeah. you know that's that's obviously something that needs to be factored in, what kind of impact that'll have. But what else did he do? He he's his growth as a hitter from 2018. He he just went backward. It was fine the first month. It looked like he picked up where he left off. But then he's, his strikeout rate skyrocketed. He put the get ball on the ground way too often for you to really expect anything in terms of power production. He is just a base dealer right now. And, you know, not one with good on base skills. Like, I, I just don't have any expectations of him delivering anything else. He could. There's that kind of upside. He's shown it before. But... There was clear still skills decline this year with regard to the bat, and I'm I'm not going to count on him reversing that.
1: And it's interesting too because this position is pretty ripe of stolen bases across the board. We talked about Lindor, we talked about Story, Trey Turner, no doubt. You've got Tatis Jr., who can be a 20 plus guy. VR, you're not crazy off of him. You know, so you're in the relative range. VR is stealing bases. Bachette is stealing bases. You want to go further down. You've got, you know, Simeon, Chips, and a couple. But you got guys like Tim Anderson, Elvis Andrus. So, you know, to the point, not even just the entirety of baseball has got stolen base guys out there. But the posi- position itself has got a lot safer options that don't. I mean, I told you, he's going to cost you a second to early third-round pick this That's year. That's crazy. And that is That's pretty crazy. crazy.
2: I mean, he might be... Oh, I'm trying to think of a recent example. You know, the game's changed so much where everybody basically hits for power, but. I mean, Billy Hamilton. That's not. Mm. He, he might be Billy Hamilton in terms of just a great steals total, literally nothing else. Now, that's a worst case scenario, probably, but. Yeah, because I think the you're... most likely scenario, I don't think, is much better than that. Yeah, because I think you're
1: painting a really, really negative future for Mondesi where, I don't know. I mean, even if you if you got a full season out of him. And you had I don't know, 14, 15 homers, 70 runs, 70 RBIs. You probably would have had closer or above 50 stolen bases. That's not that's not Billy Hamilton. I mean, I guess it's not probably that far off from like the good Billy Hamilton years. But I mean, it's not it's not nothing. All of that other stuff isn't nothing. Outside of if you want to play like, well, stolen ba- the average stolen base you're getting on a team now, instead of it being like the old 20s, you know, it's like in the 35s, then 14 to 15 doesn't mean much. I don't know. I just feel like we're being a little too negative on Mondesi, but I see where you're heading. I see you know, he doesn't walk. He strikes out a whole bunch. Power numbers, you know, a little bit bad. It could go in a really bad direction, and this could be like that old-school Jonathan VR that you drafted a couple of years ago. Remember when you paid a second or third round price, and he just completely bombed out? This is what Mon I've always been worried about that with Mondesi. His
2: second-half strikeout rate was 369 Hmm. Which is like Miguel Sano territory, worst in baseball, you know. Except Sano has that monster power bat, yeah. and meanwhile, Mondesi was hitting ground balls at more than a fifty percent rate during that same stretch. So there's just there's no contact, there's no ability, there's no possibility for power. If he keeps doing that, I yeah. mean, he could get better. That's always a possibility, particularly for a guy younger than twenty five. But uh, you know, given the alternatives at this position and the way it's trending right now. I can't say I'm an optimist regarding Montesi.
1: Yeah. You're not, you're not necessarily wrong here. Um, I, I think there's going to be, there's going to be two camps on it. There's going to be the your camp and there's going to be the, Oh, I don't care about looking at this worst case scenario. I'm going to get my 50 stolen bases and I'm hopeful that the rest are going to come like he had shown before he did. You know, it's old Ron Chandler thing. It's like if, you know, the player shows you they have that ability, then believe it. But he hasn't shown it enough for us to really truly believe it. Let's take one quick little pause here, and then we'll come back, and we're going to go through 16 to 20.
0: Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. All
1: right, Scott, this is the home stretch here. There are still some big names, so give me 16 to 20 and what blurbs you want people to know about these, uh, these final five.
2: All right, 16 is Tim Anderson, who just won a batting title, the major league batting title, if there was such a thing. Corey Seager, 17. 18 is D.D. Gregorius. 19, Ahmed Rosario. And 20 is Elvis Andrews. So basically through 17, I think you're talking about a starting caliber shortstop in fantasy. So that includes Tim Anderson, that includes Corey Seager, Uh, We didn't really get into Jorge Polanco, but he was 15th. So those three I would consider to be starting caliber players in fantasy. Now, obviously, I'm expecting Tim Anderson to get worse. He had a 399 BABIP this year. I do think he profiles as a high BABIP guy, especially since he he kind of made a new timing mechanism that improved his production against breaking balls in 2019. That was kind of the key to the breakout. And I, you look at the full batted ball pro, but profile, I think he could have like a mid-300s bat, but 399 is just not something you should expect to happen again. So probably not uh, going to continue for batting titles annually. And as always seems to happen for him, the stolen bases really dropped off over the course of the season. It's just always so inconsistent for him. Like it's shocking at times you think, Oh, this guy's going to steal 40 bases this year. And then he always ends up around 20. It's it's shocking to
1: see that he's only stole 20 once in his minor league career. I remember two or three years ago, I was over at Camelback ranch with the white Sox, and I caught Tim. And this was, I want to say this was the 2017 season. And, I, w- was, I was joking around with him and asking him about stolen bases. I'm like, what are we at? What are we going to steal this year? And I started throwing out some numbers, and he's like, I got a number, but I can't say it. I don't think he's ever hit the number that Tim Anderson thought he was himself was going to steal, and they kind of keep going down. But he's also transforming into a completely different player. I could live if the BABIP came down and he became a 280 hitter. I could live with that. It's just mm-hmm. he just goes through spurts of, of solid counting stats, and then they disappear. I mean— in my brain, yeah. if I just think about Tim Anderson and I think about some of the run he had, I'm like, man, those stats. You know, what do I? 27 homers and 22 stolen bases and maybe 95 runs, and the the numbers just don't accumulate
2: to the short spurts he has. But he's still a good value later on. Yeah, I'm totally fine with him. He's I value him more now than I ever have before. But this was probably the absolute best he's capable of delivering in 2019. Uh, you know, unless he starts running a lot more than ever. I guess that's always possible. But as a hitter, it's probably the best he'll ever be. And it was a little less than elite at a position with a ton of elite options. So that kind of sums it up there, I think. Corey Seager is going to have to obviously bounce back some after a disappointing season. First year back from Tommy John surgery, so he deserves a pass. And he had a great September. Uh, The plate discipline was fine throughout the year. It's just he wasn't hitting the ball as hard as he did before. That's, That's really what it boils down to and you know if he's at less than 100% physically that explains a lot of it right there he's only 25 there was it was not that long ago we saw this guy as like a first round caliber player in fantasy so I think he's owed some benefit of the doubt and I'm having to give that kind of apology for ranking him as high as 17th which kind of tells you How things are going at this position, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he came in at 19 on some of the early mocks. The last one here, because we could go on, and I would highly suggest that people go over uh, to CBS and check out Scott's article. You can read all the blurbs. It's really good stuff, and all of them are up there. But what gets you to the spot where Rosario goes over Andrews? Because I I, I still have a hard time with Rosario, and Andrews still has the stolen base potential that's cheap, that is cheap this year. He came in at 18. That's Elvis, where Rosario came in at 20. So you're just a little flip. So what has you, Rosario, over Elvis? Ah, it's
2: funny I'm having to defend Rosario now because I feel like he's always been so widely overrated in fantasy uh, just because he was, you know, former top prospect, whatever. It's, It's less about what he did right than what Elvis Andrews did wrong. And what Elvis Andrews did wrong... Was hit 256 with a 640 OPS from May 1st on. And he's 31. Ah, uh, the dreaded 30 was Scott White. No one hates 30 year olds more than Scott. I mean, the history of shortstops specifically that have maintained high level production in their 30s is pretty short. I mean, it's it is his short.
1: highest stolen base total since 2013. He upped yeah. that. I mean, that's, that's yeah, that was something weird. positive. He, I think he dropped a strikeout rate a bit. Babbitt wasn't anything uh, unsustainable. He just kind of, I don't i don't know if there was a, like I'd I saw him in spring training a couple times and you could see when he's trying to sell out for power and at bats. And I, and I wonder if he let that go. I wonder if that happened and it was like, I need to be more of a base steal. I don't have those answers. All I know is he stole more bases this year than he had since 2013. And there's something to that too. kind of a, I don't know, a little bit of an overrated Rosario always been. You know, in the prospect game, he was rated in more the real baseball terms
2: more than an offensive player, though he was slowly coming into it. Or it was a complete fluke, which I think is more likely, especially at the stage of the career he's in. And given that he took off like a rocket at the start of the year and all bounce back season after 2018 was lost basically to an elbow fracture. You know, he played a lot, but didn't perform very well. But then he regressed, regressed so quickly into being a poor hitter in an environment where you can't afford that. So, you know, any investment you make in him is counting on that outlier steals total that, I mean, particularly if he's not going to be that good of a hitter, I am I wouldn't be counting on it.
1: There's still a lot of guys, you know. You mentioned some at the top that didn't make the list. The young, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, the young, young was hard. We didn't yeah. even talk about, you know. We didn't get into it, obviously. But still, there's guys like Lux out there. There's the Garrett Hamsons, the Nico Horners. I mean, there's some exciting guys uh, for
2: to make some bets on into next year. And well, oh, go ahead. I will point out that I I know Lux will not be shortstop eligible for CBS. He'll be two B only. Okay, and I think. Hampson will just be 2B and outfield. So neither of them would factor at this position for my purposes. Okay. Yeah. For,
1: for pure CBS leagues. If you're looking at the yeah. grand scope, a couple of those guys are out there. It's still to the point, though. There are interesting names out there and some speculation, whether it's prospects or further. But that was a great conversation. Like I said, go check it out. Uh, over on CBS, you can read the article as a, as a companion piece to the episode. And you can follow Scott on Twitter at CBS Scott White. Follow myself on Twitter at Is It The Welsh? We are coming at you later in the week with the outfielders. It's going to be a big one, top 30. So we are going to be upping our numbers here. So we really got to get through it. So make sure you tune in and keep it locked here, right here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Until then, friends, have a great one, and we will talk to you with the outfielders.
0: If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know.